0: See you. I'll give you your peace now. Give me your worship. I'll give you your joy now. (laughs) Give me your worship. I'll give you your wholeness now. Give me your worship, and I'll fill every void. screen You can could- And see, oh. yeah, When you come in the room oh. See, shade, oh. see, Shader See, when you blow in the room We know that things oh. See, when you blow in the room And all the room each There is an exchange There has, there has been an exchange. So
1: welcome to the core. Welcome to the person of There
0: has been an exchange. Joy for sorrow. Morning for dancing. Joy Lovely for sorrow. Mm. Morning for dancing. Take up that you Joy for sorrow. Yeah. Morning for days. He's still in his presence. Joy for sorrow. He's lifting the burden. Morning Joy, for dancing. Joy for sorrow. Joy for sorrow. Morning for days. Lord, we give you thanks. We give you song. praise.
1: Lord, you are the most high God. We give you thanks. Praise because you are great and you are greatly to be praised. Lord, there is none like you. Father, you sit in the midst of the congregation of the gods. Who can we compare unto you? You are Yahweh. You are the gift and the giver.
0: You are El
1: Shaddai. You are El Roy. You are the great I am, the Ancient of Days. Give me all our needs, you are the answer to our tongue, oh God. You're above all you fought to be gods. Shakatilo Brandus Katai Kratamala Bosh Katai. Zana Mama Mamakatando Sh kitando Ikapa Bando Father, we worship you. We bless you, Lord. We barack your name, you are God, and you are God all by yourself. You will not share your glory for never Before you, there was no God formed, and after you, there will be no God. Oh God, spirit of the living God, your word says, Your word brings light, it brings knowledge, brings understanding. Father we say today as we go into the final installment of your word, of the word, how to hear your voice, so Lord. We pray for understanding, we pray for illumination, we pray for the agency of the Spirit of the Lord to light upon us and within us. To have an encounter, Lord, we decree and we ask for we ask for two things. We ask for an encounter and we ask for an atmosphere, an atmosphere that will shift. That we will discern your spirit, that we will know, that we will yield, that we will yield, O oh God. That will learn to be still, we will learn to be still, we'll still our mind. Still our hearts to let you rightly take your place upon the seat of our emotions, the seat of our appetites. We yield the flesh. We yield the flesh. You are King Eternal. You are the only most wise God. You are the only most wise God, Lord. Invisible yet all creation declare your glory all creation declare your glory. The fool has said there is no God. Thank you Father for the technology of prayer. Thank you O oh God for the blood of Jesus that allows us to commune with you O God. For you don't see our sins but you see the righteousness of Christ. We don't see our sins but you see the righteousness of Christ. So we can come boldly before your throne O oh Lord. Only before your throne, so Lord, we pray today. Oh Lord, open our eyes, open our ears, let your word minister to us, minister to us, let your word didactically speak to us as we exige it, your word. Let revelation provide understanding, let revelation provide understanding. Reveal mysterious that was hidden from times past. Reveal your word. Reveal what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. In Jesus' name, amen. kutai. radabai. Radash kitai librotondus Zika pando kite te te de shakando si kada badabosh katai a rakandi shande e libra ma kada basha ti koradai mandai Father, we worship you.
2: We give you glory and honor. Si labrodon de brekis tabahadela, zebredolia Tabahade sandarabahadilela, ike dedolia Bratushka kadabahadela, mantelendori branne kusnahadibe, Zivredobori borie bratinando be thou glorified tonight Lord. Well, as we go into your word as we as we open our hearts to know what thus saith the lord we ask for your wisdom and your grace We ask for your wisdom and your grace. We ask for your wisdom and your grace. To process, download and prosecute what it is that you are saying to us in this season and across the nations of the earth. Thank you Lord Jesus, thank you Lord Jesus, oh hallelujah, oh hallelujah, oh hallelujah, oh hallelujah, 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 now and forever. We have, do, and always will belong to you. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, specifically this evening, We're asking for your presence in this room. I'm asking that you would strengthen and empower the preacher. That you would brood on me, in me, and through me. In the precious name. Of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, everybody, welcome to the quorum on a Wednesday. Um, we've actually been gone for a week. Uh, we weren't here last week, Wednesday, and actually, that's a good place to start. So if you were a part of our mailing list, well, one of our mailing lists, we didn't want to disturb the whole world with this, but if you're a part of one of our mailing lists and you would have gotten the message last week, um, Wednesday, that in place of the quorum, we were holding an impromptu prayer meeting for one of the sisters in our house. Um, and many of you know the Kingdom Culture is a family uh, with members of this family for, from all around the world, we've actually got churches, uh, Kingdom Culture churches in. Mm, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, get the number wrong, but in quite a few places around the world, let's put it that way. Um, but then beyond our churches, um, our local church congregations, we've also got a wider family. Good to see Natalia. A wider family, we call it the Kingdom Culture uh, Apostolic Community. And we got people who are part of apostolic hubs like the prayer culture hub, people who are partners, family. Uh, we have a ministerial fellowship that we uh, champion that is made up of pastors and ministers from independent churches and ministries from all around the world. And so when we talk about our family, we're talking about quite a large family. Uh, and one of the members of this huge family was recently diagnosed with um, ovarian cancer and a couple of other associated complications. Um, it's a long story how we got to that point, but by the point, the time it was coming to our attention, there had been, in my opinion, uh, some pretty horrible uh, negligence on the part of the the medical team that had been handling it to let it get to that stage before certain uh, contingencies and things began to be put in place. So it pretty much was an emergency. Uh, I was in. I've been in touch with her family. For the last few weeks they want you guys to know that they are grateful not just for our prayers but for our love and support uh, and the consensus is that except for the power of prayer and the grace of God we might uh, have been sadly planning a funeral by now but God has been good and not only has he kept her alive we believe that the process of her healing has begun uh, and so we we made the call or I made the call last week uh, after some time seeking God to shut the quorum down for a week and instead call a prayer meeting where we contended for her life and her health. And so if you wondered, if you weren't part of the, the mailing list that got that, if you wondered where we were last week, Wednesday, well, that is where we were on Wednesday. Uh, let me also say this. Um, I literally was on the phone with her family before we came on air this, after, this evening uh, and the medical system has finally decided to belatedly start to do its job in my opinion and so she is slated to go in now for uh, a round of uh, chemotherapy and uh, not too long after that surgery to try and take out uh, the tumor and some other associated issues and so i'm asking that we put her into even more uh, into a place of even greater priority in prayer but also seen as they are part, they are residents of a nation that does not have free medical health care and does not have a quote and unquote, health care insurance system. <clears throat> the bills that have been racked up in the process are quite significant, especially for her family. Uh, and the Bible says we are to bear one another's burdens. And so we have determined as a house and as a family, that this is not their burden to bear alone. And so for those of you, I haven't checked, uh, but for those of you who may have responded to the call two weeks ago to financially support uh, them via our channel, our platform, thank you if you have already. If you haven't, well, now would be a great time to do so because over the next seven days, there are some quite significant expenses that her family is going to have to make towards her healthcare, medical care. Uh, and again, if you want to know the details, Chrissy, if you can help me out, the details will be on your screen in a second. How you can give to, uh, well, this is the details you used to give to anything Kingdom Culture is responsible for, but particularly this project. Uh, just please just put in, you can put in her name. Her name is Mayen, M A Y E N. You can put in, um, you know, cancer, tr- whatever it is, something that lets us know. Let me just use M-A-Y-E-N, that's the name of our sister, so that we know specifically that these donations are coming in for this purpose. And every single penny that comes in with that reference on it will be sent to the family towards her healthcare expenses. And if there is extra towards rebuilding her life on the other end of what the enemy has intended to be a horrible situation, but which we know that the Lord will turn for good amen Alrighty. righty so that that explains last week and where we are with our sister also uh from time to time <laughs> um sorry we just had a little bit of a uh of an emergency here in the studio uh, just just let's leave it just just leave it for now from time to time um we will have as long as we get the light back on you can leave the camera as long as we get the light back on um, just make make sure it's plugged in correctly, all the way down to the to the socket. Just trace the yeah the light, and as long as the lights work, we'll let that camera go for today. So we just had a little uh, little little thing going on here in the studio. So one of our cameras uh, needs some attention. Where was I? Um, yes, yeah, so that yes, and so from time to time we will also uh, be putting together impromptu prayer meetings uh, for our sister Mayan, in addition to some other things that come up as God will demand. And so please make sure you are watching those, make sure you are watching your uh, channels and platforms for those to make sure that you are in the loop and that you can be a part of them as necessary. So let us get into the business of the day. So this afternoon or this evening we were supposed to be dealing with uh, the part four of our series and how to hear the voice of the Lord. Uh, Instead we will be going in a slightly different direction that will carry on uh, from or we will wrap that up starting next week. We might have one, two, maybe three other installments of that series, but I have to uh, or have a burden on my heart to share with us something very very specific, and in my opinion, urgent today. Now, um, you guys know, or some of you do know anyway, if this is not new, if you're not new at the quorum, that, and I say this with humility, that there is a, uh, a call and an assignment for the office of the prophet upon my life. And sometimes that will manifest in the release of highly detailed and specific instructions or warnings in essence. thus saith the Lord and God said this and that. Uh, And with all the humility that is required from that office and all glory and thanks to God, um, we have seen that office be respected by the Lord, especially in the last few years, with with sometimes pinpoint accuracy that humbles even myself. Now, at other times, the instruction is not to say thus saith the Lord and give a quote, unquote, specific word. It is to point to scripture as a platform for what the mind of God is for a season. In essence, sometimes it is a prophetic update and the other times it is a prophetic perspective. Tonight's gonna be a little bit of both. So now we're gonna have uh, a prophetic perspective as well as a little bit of of a prophetic update. We will be looking through the eyes of Scripture at what I believe are very prophetic times we are living in today. And then pulling from that perspective, or perspective one or two updates, which I believe the Lord has instructed me to place at our behest tonight. And to do this, we're going to be going to the Bible, as always here at the Quorum. The Bible is the center. Of everything that we do. Um, and I am going to take us on a whistle stop tour, whistle stop tour, through the first 12 chapters of the book of Genesis. The 12, the first 12 chapters of the book of Genesis. We're going to go through them very, very quickly. We're, we're hardly going to stop for more than a minute or two in some chapters, but it's going to be important to set the scene for what it is that I believe the Lord would be saying to us, not just a night, but to a generation in this season. I want to ask you to pray for me. Um, I was having a meeting with some of my leaders yesterday and let's just say I could do with, um, a long, nice nap. The last few weeks and especially the last few days have been very tasking for me. Can I just get that black? case be very tasking for me physically and let's just say I'm way behind on my sleep so standing here tonight is in itself a chore but we will get through it together and you'll be happy to know that once I discharge my duty tonight I don't perceive there to be anything that will keep me from having a good night's sleep so don't call me over the next 24 hours unless it's an emergency amen uh, It'll also interest you to know today is actually the the first day of a new Hebrew month because it was a, f- a new moon uh, at roughly 4 a.m. in the morning this morning. And so, over the next few days, on Friday specifically at the press, uh, Chris, so you can put the press fly on the screen. 11 p.m. every Tuesday and Friday, we gather to pray through the night together. This Friday at the press will be a belated new moon or new Hebrew month prayer session as we move into what I now believe is the second or the beginning of an of a divine acceleration of the dealings of God with individuals, nations, ministries and communities that will be frightening in its speed and spectacular in the glory and judgment in some cases that will be released. So let's go through the first 12 chapters of Genesis, why? Because these are the first 12 chapters of the Bible. Um, But also I believe that they are the template through which we must understand in essence, the prophetic perspective through which we must understand what is happening and soon to happen in our days. In Genesis chapter one, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Obviously, this was not God's beginning, or he would not have existed to create the heaven and the earth. It could not have been the beginning uh, of several other things because, this, in essence, this was a reference point in time. Somebody say a reference point in time. It was the beginning of God's dealing with the earth. Somebody say with the earth. Yeah. So God created the heaven and the earth. And the Bible goes very clearly. We've dealt with this before. We're not going to spend too long on it. The Bible goes very clearly to explain to us what the heaven here is. It is not God's heaven. It is the firmament in which we have sun, moon, and stars. In essence, God is talking about how he created the earth and the ecosystem above the earth. It's the beginning because it's important to understand that it's the beginning of the dispensation of the kingdom of God on the earth. It's the beginning of the dispensation of god's divine government as it relates to the earth and genesis 1 gives us we preach preached this almost to death at the quorum. The playlist of every single quorum uh, uh, edition since June 16 last year should be somewhere in this video description. We've explained the, the technology in place, the process, what it meant, the lights, the day, the night, the firmaments, the everything, the instruction, let us make man in our image. We've dealt with all that. So Genesis 1 is God laying the foundations for the dispensation of the kingdom of God in the earth and basically telling us that this is how that kingdom works. And so we must uh, approach that or the understanding of God and how his kingdom works, right? Must be approached from the foundational basis of how the kingdom was brought into existence. And we see this, give me a quick second, everybody. We see this in Genesis chapter 1. Awesome. Now, in Genesis chapter 2, we then see the foundation of one, the governor of that kingdom on the earth, the governor being man. We see how God created man, or fashioned, formed man physically from what he created in Genesis chapter one. We see how he blessed a seventh day, sanctified it, as a day of rest. In essence, man was man's first physical expression was in the sabbath and it was a sabbath that lasted years or however long it took till the fall of man this was not 24 hours the first six days were evening and morning evening and morning this seven day is never demarcated as evening and morning because it was longer than evening and morning and again we've dealt with the fact that a day with the lord is a thousand years a thousand years like a day when the bible refers to a day prophetically it could be anything from a moment in time to a whole millennium it simply means a space of time where there is one redemptive or one primary focus of god's redemptive agenda we then see God give man instructions, boundaries, an assignment, provision and help. Let me repeat. Instructions, an assignment or purpose, boundaries, provision and help. Let me repeat. We see God give man instructions, assignment to so one instructions to an assignment/purpose three boundaries, four provision, five help. These are the five components that every person who will walk into the fullness of their divine assignment must come to terms with in the spirit realm. I repeat, instructions, an assignment or a purpose, boundaries, provision, and help. And I may beg to present the fact that they possibly have to be addressed in that order. Why instruction before purpose? Because many times God begins to deal with us long before we fully understand our purpose and assignment. And so instructions are the way that heaven keeps us engaged in the right direction as our revelation of our purpose and assignment take shape. So he starts with instructions and then there is a process through which assignment and purpose are made clear over time and in that process he begins to give boundaries that protect you from destroying purpose and assignment again many times before you know purpose and assignment fully and then along the way must come provision and help in either order and i don't just mean marriage any in essence, there are human elements or elements of your destiny, of any destiny of a nation, a man, a woman, a ministry, an organization, a family, a business that require another human being's impute as directed by God. And so Genesis 2 is a story of how God did all that, including the provision of the food and the animals and all that stuff. And then we get to Genesis 3. And we see the first of three divine rebellions in, in the book of Genesis. Uh, a serpent, the word is Nahash. It's definitely not a creature. Um, we've we've addressed that uh, ad nauseum at the quorum, right, Tony? So we know that this was a spirit being uh, who was in rebellion to God. It was not strained for them to meet a serpent because Eden, the Bible tells us very clearly in the rest of scripture, especially in the book of Revelation, is literally both a garden and a mountain. It's a convergence. Literally, it was the convergence of heaven and earth. It was the It was the intersection of the kingdom of God on earth with the wider cosmic kingdom of God in the heavens. And it was normal for beings of another race in the spirit to be found there. And so the woman was not scared when she came across that. And we see how the serpent, the Bible says, deceived Eve and how her deception pulled Adam in and worse than Eve being deceived was Adam with his eyes open walking into a trap and life as we know it has never been the same. In essence the overall purpose and assignment so you must understand Genesis 3 in this understanding or from this perspective that up the up until now unbroken flow of the agenda of heaven's kingdom in earth was affected Genesis three was the first major interference with God's plan for the earth. And God's response to this interference was to punish one, the conspirators, the serpent, the woman, and the ground for the sake of the man, or the man by, 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 by extension, but then also to make a futuristic prophecy that this mess will be fully corrected when a seed of this woman or a seed of a woman sorry will bruise the authority of the serpent remember that god's response was to say okay lucifer or whoever the serpent was there's no proof it was lucifer although we can conjecture that from scripture was to say serpent you think you've been smart but a seed is going to proceed from the womb of a daughter of Eve, and that seed, we now know to be Yeshua, will bruise your authority. And that began a race against time. Because unlike many Christians, the devil read, understands the Bible when it says that we are to take prophetic words and wage a good warfare. Satan understands that prophecy is by inference almost always conditional there are very few unconditional prophecies very few and so when the Lord gives the instruction he the devil begins a race against time or the devil's kingdom the kingdom of the satan a race against time to prepare to head of that outcome and Adam and Eve are so concerned with the loss of Eden as we then see in chapter 4 actually let's so let's finish chapter three so after that instruction in chapter three right god drives adam and eve out of the garden of eden and tell them to go and till the ground from whence he was taken in genesis chapter 4 chris if you just work with me to go between uh my shot and the and the scripture that'd be great so i don't have to do it myself thank you uh and so in genesis chapter 4 adam And his wife have two children, Cain and Abel. We don't know if they were twins. We know the story. These were obviously men who had a line of connection with the Lord because one of them gives a sacrifice that's accepted, the other does not. And to the one who is complaining, God talks to him. Keep that in mind. Cain had a communication line with God. So it stands to reason that he very easily could have found out from God the kind of sacrifice that should be offered in the first place. In fact, God tells him, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Meaning, you know what is right, stop complaining. We know the story, Cain kills his brother. This is the second major interruption in the process. The first murder scene comes into the earth. And the ground drinks Abel's blood and begins to cry out against Cain. This is the first incident in scripture we see that tells us that a land has a voice in the realm of the spirit. Keep that you know keep that in your spirit for later on tonight. The ground, the earth has a say in the courtroom of the spirit and we are then told that Cain Is then cursed over and above the curse of Adam and Eve with his ability to till the ground we're told that Cain is told never again will the ground yield to you her strength so you will not those crops that you brought to me that were in violation of my order you will never again be able to produce them that's very important because we see this as a consequence of a violation of the will of God in the process of destiny. Cain's punishment for trying to cheat the system and acting out the DNA of the satan is that the very thing he was good at will never again work for him. There's, There's a lesson in there for somebody but I don't have time to hit it so Take that home as your assignment from the quorum tonight. Chris, let's go back. And so, then in Genesis chapter 4, we then see what I call an arms race. And now we're getting warm. Remember, there has been a violation by the first, the three divine rebellions in Genesis. Each of them instigated a human rebellion. We've taught this at the quorum. The first was the rebellion of the Satan, of the serpent, the Nahash, in the Garden of Eden. And when God, when Yahweh gives the, 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 the remedy, there is an arms race. Somebody say an arms race. Satan, or the kingdom of the Satan, starts a race to prepare for the manifestation of this seed of the woman and god would have expected adam and eve to also begin the race but there's a reason the bible says that the children of this world and we're going to talk about this in light of modern day prophecy stay with me the children of this world are usually wiser in their generation than the children of light because many times they are able like we see with Pharaoh and Moses the wise men and the star it seems that the kingdom of darkness is expert at discerning the agenda for the seasons and times and outrunning the church or the covenant people of God including Israel in the Old Testament and beating us into a season Where they are far more prepared for the engagement that must emerge and then we come like Johnny come lately to the party and complain and whine and try to make up with shouting in prayer what we should have preempted with strategic prophetic understanding and corresponding action and it is the time for the sons of Issachar to rise. Who not just understand seasons and times and not just complain or oh, that's, that's the wrong word not just get on social media and YouTube and TV and talk about the prophetic and do nothing because it seems in our generation the job description of an apostle and a prophet is to teach about being an apostle and a prophet rather than do the work of an apostle and a prophet but come down, Reverend Israel. You will understand why I'm upset in a second. Let's go back to Genesis chapter four. So an arms race begins. Notice Adam and Eve have been told. And so there were three people present at this sentencing. Tony, who are the three? Adam, Eve, and the Nahash. So there are three witnesses, and whoever's ki- or whoever else is in the Nahash's kingdom. Of above, around, or beneath him, or it. So there are three parties involved. In fact, you could argue you're two. You could put Adam and Eve together as one party, the race of men, and then the race of divine beings outside the control of Yahweh. The third party would be the race of divine beings under the control of Yahweh. So there are three components of witnesses to this sentence. Remember Genesis 1 told us, we looked at this at the quorum, that God said to Adam and Eve or to man, the hermaphrodite that was man before Eve was separated from Adam, be fruitful, multiply, replenish of you, have dominion in essence. Nothing can happen in the earth any longer except through the agency of mankind. Now remember the Nahash as we saw from Psalm 8 a few weeks ago. What is man that you're mindful of him do you mindful of him, right? We see that the context of man's creation was an enemy and an avenger that already existed that God created man to handle. So we now understand that mankind was a pawn, it's the wrong word, we're not a pawn. We have power, was caught between the crossfire of two opposing agendas. If the kingdom of Yahweh will fulfill its assignment it will do so through man and if the kingdom of the Satan will fulfill its assignment or its agenda it'll also do so through man and it seemed that the kingdom of the Satan struck the first blow in the garden with the fall of man when the serpent enticed Eve and then Adam. Yahweh he doesn't hide his plan He he tells the Satan in advance, I'm going to equalize. And he calls his shot. This is the kind of goal I will score. He gives the information in advance for the kingdom of the Satan to go and design their game plan around stopping that goal from being scored. In essence, that seed of the woman will bring us back one one when he does his job we'll be back where we were before you enticed the man and the wife the game won't be over we'll just have equalized and then we'll go into extra time and so Satan spends thousands of years defending a goal he knows will be attempted to be scored he still concedes the goal because the prince of this world understood it they would not have so God used the foolishness of the world but that's beyond the scope of tonight and in chapter four we see his immediate reaction so Adam and Eve are the progenitors of the human race that God and or Satan will use and they have two children Scholars believe they're twins, but we don't know. They have two children. And one of them makes a choice to walk in covenant with God. One of them offers an acceptable offering before the Lord and therefore plants his flag in the kingdom of God. The other one, by his response to feeling rejected, rejection is a demonic thing. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Be very careful what proceeds from your heart as a response to feeling rejected. I'll leave that there. And so Cain inadvertently plants his flag in the camp of the kingdom of the Satan. Inadvertently. And notice he's talking to God in chapter 13. In fact, let's go let's go back there, Chrissy. In chapter 4, verse 13, chapter 4, sorry, verse 13, he says my punishment is greater than i can bear you've driven me out of this out this day from the face of the earth and he says from your face i shall be hid it's important i will be hid from your face we're talking so he's not talking about god's eyeballs he's saying this punishment means that i will be locked out of your panim. We've looked at the word panim again in the quorum, right? Your mind, your essence, your, your, your reality, your presence. But well, not just the presence for its effect, but the presence for its agenda. So the, I will not be party any longer to your agenda, to your mind, and to your... To your what's what I'm looking for now? To your game plan. Let me know in the comment section if you guys are here tonight, to be quiet tonight. There's a reason because God understood that Cain wasn't acting of his own volition. The Lord recognized Cain's action as a declaration of war by the camp of the enemy. He understood that the kingdom of Satan had drawn a dividing line, right, and picked Cain as its champion. And so God was saying to Cain, part of the consequence is I need to lock you out of my panim. Are you with me somebody? You can't can't have any more access to my mind, my heart, to my face. So when a believer is seeking the will of God, we say we're seeking his face. It doesn't mean we're looking for his head. (laughs) It means we're trying to figure out what does your nature suggest is the way forward that's the face as in water face answers the face does that make sense so a man answers the counsel. the hard man answers the counsel. in essence the face is literally an expression of your nature your emotion your feelings when i'm angry you see it on my face when i'm upset you see it on my face when i'm happy you see it on my face and according to what we learned from the experts in a not too recent trial uh when you lie we can also (laughs) see it on your face even if you're lying on the road and so god says cain now that you have been chosen as an avatar of darkness i need to lock you and your system out of the understanding and access to my will and face any longer because i am about to start my own plan and i can't have the princes of this world in on where i'm going and so this will shock you ladies and gentlemen from that day forwards the workers of iniquity no longer have access to god's face they may have access to the spirit realm they may have access to divination they, ha- they may have access to the sun moon and the stars for occultic information purposes but the panem of god has from genesis 4 been taken away from the or, or shall i say the to the panim of God has been taken away from the Cain system which is why the princes of this world messed up when Jesus came so if you are afraid of what I'm about to share with you later on tonight relax in the knowledge that Cain no longer has access to God's panim and that will always be the advantage that the kingdom of God has and that those of us who serve the kingdom have over those who serve the kingdom of darkness. There are dimensions and complexities of the will agenda and, and dealing, in essence things that are obvious to us because when I see your face Tony I know what you mean when you say something. So if I'm in the room when you're talking if you say if you say if you say um let me give you an example now if you say yeah we'll be there tomorrow and i see you go like this let me take my glasses off yeah we'll be yeah we'll be there tomorrow two of us heard you say the same thing one person had access to your face and the person who access has access to your face has more has a deeper level of insight into the context from which you're talking. They know you're being sarcastic. The other person does not. Does that make sense? Now stick with me. So we see the arms race. Genesis chapter 4. Let's go back there, Chrissy. Satan doesn't waste time. Verse 16 says, Cain went out from the presence of the Panim of the Lord. In essence, he exited God's kingdom. He didn't exit the general presence of God he exited the specific presence of God that is reserved for those who are within the government of his kingdom there are so-called Christians today who have gone out from the presence of the Lord and you must constantly examine yourself to find out if you still be in the faith he dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden now notice notice the first thing here Cain like Lot is picking prime real estate. I don't have time tonight to show you the meanings of the the proper nouns in Genesis 4 but second assignment go and study every single name and or place in Genesis chapter 4. There is a very specific message being passed by each of them. Cain picks prime real estate. Remember Bible says God planted a garden where? In Eden, where in Eden? In the east. In what? The east. Cain goes to where? The east. To a land called Nod and quickly conceives a child with his wife. Isn't it interesting that the first thing Cain does after being kicked out of the presence of God is conceive? Because the kingdom of this world, or the children of the kingdom of this world, understand the power of conception. The church understands the power of addition. There's a difference. You can add without conceiving, you can't conceive without adding. The world is conceiving. They've gone to the east. Where is the east? The rising of the sun. Two things. One, revelation and insight, but also the home of the understanding of how the spirit realm works. Isn't it interesting that even today, we call the western world the world of technology and science and the eastern world the world of mysticism and supernatural because the east literally where the sun rises the metaphor is cain went to the doorway of the spirit he cain pursued the metaphysical cain made an investment in the understanding of how the causal realm works and the moment he got there tony he started producing cain started conceiving cain started uh, up, King started building systems that were designed to duplicate his DNA so when as I warned all of you about while everybody was calling me supposedly a liberal leftist that when the day came which I did prophesy in advance remember where Roe v Wade was going to be overturned I said watch what happens we're going to see that the just changing a law doesn't fix the problem because there are women now tying themselves to cars walking on women are walking on multi-carriage ways in the united states risking being hit by cars at 70 miles an hour and attacking the police in the streets because we changed the law at the court but we have not produced the law of god in the hearts of a people And so for the record and I am going to do a quorum on abortion in a few weeks when we finish the hearing from God series for the record I am very pro life very I believe in the sanctity of life from the womb to the tomb so understand my comments on this in context I am not fighting against any process by which the sanctity of life is preserved I'm saying it's foolish to push for legislation and then fold our arms, clap and say we've done it we haven't done it for two reasons one every unregenerate heart will still want an abortion and secondly in a few years 10, 15, 20, 50 another king will arise that did not know Joseph and will be right back where we went when Roe v Wade started so the answer is not legislation alone the answer is Cain's system or Cain's understanding. Get to the land of Nod. Look at the word Nod in Hebrew. Get to the east, get to the gateway that controls the spirit realm and start producing. There's a race for conception between two systems. And ladies and gentlemen, the church is, or the kingdom of God on the earth, is sadly behind in the race. I'm going to come to that with more specific prophecies before we end tonight. Miracle, I don't even even want to go there because I don't have the time to address all that. Because, uh, (laughs) Uh. let's put it this way, and this is a prophecy if we don't deal with this situation the way I've been shouting about it for two three years we may find out that what was supposed to be a victory overturning Roe v Wade ends up being the worst thing that could have happened to the kingdom of God in the nation of America if we don't back up legislation with what we're talking about tonight which is the production of God's DNA in the hearts of people if we keep segregating out of society and then attacking society for being godless when we took God out of it by segregating ourselves from it and and, and also giving ourselves to in- i take that back we didn't segregate from it we just we segregated from it physically while inter- interacting with it emotionally and spiritually In essence, in many ways, we come the same thing that we say we're attacking. If we don't reverse that trend, we may look back and say, wow, this was literally, literally the definition of letting sleeping dogs lie. Because there's a a backlash coming in the spirit now, and the church better be ready for it. And we're going to talk about that tonight. And so Cain goes to the east in the land of Nod. And he goes and... Conceives, and he bears Enoch. Now the word Enoch means consecration. Enoch means discipled, consecrated, set up, initiated is the word. Notice the first generation from Cain is Enoch. First generation, Enoch produces Irad, Irad, Mehujael, Mehujael, Methusael, Methusael, Lamech. Lamech is number, let's just count, I keep forgetting, let's count again. So one, two, three, four, so Lamech is five. Lamech is, Enoch is one from Cain, Lamech is five from Cain. Lamech takes two wives. In essence, when we get to Lamech, Lamech understands that time is short. Lamech doesn't have time for monogamy anymore, Tony. Lamech, Lamech knows that the clock is ticking, so Lamech gets two wives. In essence, I'm going to double my DNA reproduction capacity are you with me and gives birth to Jabal the father of cities and commerce cattle to Jubal the father of entertainment the harp on the organ to Tubal Cain the father of construction and manufacturing and Tubal-Cain's sister was Neymar which go study Neymar's name that's deep <laughs> that was the birth of the culture of perversion and at the point at which Lamech becomes a doubler he goes and does the exact same thing Cain does kill somebody and he boasts about it In essence, he's saying we're winning the race. Pause. And it is in verse 25 that Adam knew his wife again. Somebody roll your eyes. <sighs> We've gotten to Lamech before Adam realizes time is going. And we see why. Because when they have their son, Seth, Eve says, God has replaced Abel. In essence, this is the first son they've had since Abel died. And the response tells us two things. One, God is belatedly starting the race that should have started through Abel. But secondly, Adam and Eve have not gotten over the loss of Abel. Their nostalgia has put them behind the eight ball in the arms race. And when Seth is born, in a sense, Seth is Cain's counterpart. Seth gives birth to a son called Enos, not Enoch, Enos. There's a difference. Again, study all these words. And the Bible says, then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. The Hebrew is quite contentious. There are two schools of thought and both have some correct interpretation. That the word call upon there literally means, one school says means to call or to speak against the name of the Lord. In essence this is either saying the birth of Enos begins the birth of priesthood or it infuriates the other side to be even more blasphemic and more antagonistic towards God. Whichever school of thought you belong to, it doesn't change where we're going. I just wanted to put that out there in case you're, you're, you're a scholar and you're saying well it, it, it literally means he was ra- they were railing against the name of God. I want you to know I understand that possibility too. I'm just saying that does not change whichever is correct where we're going. Now look at verse 5. Remember we said that Genesis chapter 1 was the beginning of God's uh, was God's laying the foundation for the understanding of the kingdom of heaven in the earth or the kingdom of God on the earth. In Genesis chapter 5, God repeats Genesis chapter 1. Look at it. This is the book of the generations of Adam in the day God created man in the in the day, say the day. In the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day they were created. In essence, it was at the point that Adam started recreating that God says now let's, in essence, God said everything from when the serpent messed up, the plan of God was on pause. God is saying welcome to the party now let's go. So Adam, so let's, go, so let's slow down Israel. Let's go to genealogy. Adam Adam begets Seth. Someone say Seth, one. Actually, no, no, so Seth, right? Then Seth begets Enoch. Someone say one. Enos begets Canaan. Someone say two. Canaan begets Mahaliel. Someone say three. Mahaliel begets Jared. Someone say four. Jared, Um. all right, Jared begets Enoch. Someone say five. It took... Adam, five generations to arrive at his own Enoch. The Cain system produced dedicated, discipled initiates in its first generation. It took God's system five generations to arrive at a man that was initiated, dedicated, and consecrated. So not only were, not only is God's system behind time in terms of the actual chronology, it is also behind time in its capacity. Preacher, what are you saying? it will interest many of you to know and I hope I don't you know what if I get in trouble for saying this I don't care um Chrissy the moment we're done tonight please just uh download this video immediately because uh we don't want it being deleted so literally as we're done tonight download immediately because I'm about to say something some things are you guys are, are you those of you who rail against fake news are you aware that the family that owns Fox news, which is your definition of real news is the Murdoch family that controls the vast majority of the industry of perversion. I'm trying to pick my words carefully. It presides over a media empire of sexual perversion. Are you aware? but to many of you that's that's church tv run by the same people who who preside over an, a, a global empire of sexual perversion in, in media and entertainment okay just 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 let that let that sizzle in your soul for a second okay now let's move on but when the pornography industry wants to capture our children tony It five times quicker and more effective in creating someone who is dedicated and initiated into pornography than the church is at creating a man or woman who can be used by God as his agenda in the nations Cain got to Enoch in one generation it took Adam five Let's keep going, Chrissy. Enoch begat Methuselah, six. Methuselah begat Lamech, seven. Cain got, so Cain got to Lamech quicker than Enoch, sorry, than, than Seth. But notice the difference. Enoch was number two, for, for, for number one from Cain. Enoch was number five from, from, from Seth. It then took four more to get from Cain's Enoch to Cain's Lamech. It only took two more to get from Seth's Enoch to Seth's Lamech. Someone say there's good news. Someone say good news. In essence, the moment an Enoch showed up on the scene, God's kingdom began to accelerate. It took Cain four generations from his Enoch to his Lamech it only took Seth two generations because the concept of an Enoch which also happens to be my name the concept of an Enoch is God's system of evening the playing field God is looking for Enoch's men and women who the word means initiated so his life turned out to be the exact same thing as his name A man who will walk with God till he is not till his human nature is not till his agenda is not a man who can literally satisfy the criteria on earth as we are told from Hebrews from Hebrew history of being a tool by which God judges spirit beings The Book of Enoch, which is not in the Bible, but is is contemporary Hebrew history, makes it clear to us that what Paul tells us, someday we will judge angels, doesn't have to wait till you die. There are men on the earth today, Tony, who judge angels. In essence, what judge means instruct and govern individuals who god can use to govern that causal realm that that cain ran to in essence, cain ran to the land of nord the east the system of cain says to the spirit realm i will yield to your governance your evil governance if you give me an advantage god is looking for men who will yield to him that he can delegate authority to govern what cain allowed govern him because he wanted power We see that on the or with Jesus when he came to the earth. Satan said, like Cain did, bow to me, I'll give you power. Jesus says, that's the shortcut. I know you started out first, Cain, and you outran us. Satan, you're offering me a shortcut now. I won't take the shortcut. I'll take the long route. I'll spend three and a half years in obedience to God. I'll go to a cross and die, and I'll resurrect with the authority to control you. I'll get where you're offering me but when we're gonna get there I'll be the boss Satan you won't be my boss that's what Seth's line is trying to do and so there's a there's a, there's a catch-up going on now someone say catch-up so up until now I've been giving you bad news till I got here now I have some very good news for you and then some more bad news are you ready so I have an inverse sandwich. Usually a sandwich is, you start with good news, you put bad news in the middle, you end with good news. I have an inverse sandwich for us tonight. I'm, I've started with bad news, right? I'm about to get to the good news, the meat in the middle, and I'm gonna end with bad news. And if you don't like it, stone me. I got the mic, you ain't. <laughs> I'm only joking. So this is the good news. The moment we get to Enoch, things begin to ac- accelerate. Cain's Enoch starts to breed men in generations that are fathers of demonic civilizations. Jubal, Tubal, Tubal Tubal-Cain, Irad, Mehehalil, right? The moment we get to our Enoch, his first son is Methuselah. Now, that that looks strange, doesn't it? Cain's Enoch really... Chris, let's go back. Let's go back there. Genesis 4. Cain's Enoch really accelerated the process of the program. Look at this. So Cain had Enoch. No, that's chapter four, sorry, we're going to chapter four. So Cain had Enoch and Enoch got busy. It's boom, boom, boom. Ira, Mehjelum, Mehjel, Methusel, Methuselah, Lamech. Right, and then when we get to Lamech, Jubal, Tubal, Tubal, Cain, Zillah, Neymar. Chapter five. Seth gets to his Enoch and that Enoch takes the time to be initiated with God and he births one son of Noth, Methuselah. Methuselah's name is a message it means when he dies it'll happen what is so special about Methuselah because there is a system God has remember I said from Enoch now God's kingdom begins to catch up so God has a trick up his sleeve And it's called the flood Mm mm-hmm it's good news because the flood is going to wipe out everything but the line of Noah God is aware that just like Satan found a beachhead in Cain the enemy will also find a beachhead in one of the sons of Noah God's aware but the flood is the system of erasing the gap so that on the other side of the flood tony everybody starts on an equal playing field god is going to wipe out the progress of cain's line are you with me somebody wipe out the progress of the kingdom of darkness and present miracle that's the word you you you. okay so I, i was going to go there It's the great reset. God says, I can't help you win the war or the race, but I can reset the start. And so when we get to Enoch, a man who now can judge the spirit realm, the first thing he produces is an alarm clock. Enoch's first production, Methuselah, is an alarm clock. In essence a, a a timer when he dies the flood will come and then Methuselah produces Lamech. Remember Cain's Lamech is the guy that really started to build a civilization. Tubal, Jabal, Tubal, Cain, Neymar, the rest of them boys and girls. On this side, Lamech doesn't build a civilization. Lamech builds a system called Noah. So hear me, Noah is to Seth's line, what Jabal, Tubal, I let's go back there, chapter 4, let's go back chapter 4, Chrissy, I I keep forgetting their names. So chapter 4, look, Lamech gave birth, remember Lamech took two wives, Lamech said time is going, we must, we must produce quickly, we must, there's a race to the son of the, to the seed of the woman, so we must Get our system further down the line. So by the time the time comes, the earth has been flooded with the, de- with the ideology of the devil's kingdom. So Lamech takes two wives. He produces Jabal, the father of civilizations, tents, cities, dwellings, and of cattle, economy. Jubal, the father of entertainment, harp and organ, music. Tubal Cain, the father of production and manufacturing, artisanship. Right, and Tubal had a sister called Namer, which I've told you do your homework on that word. But I'm giving you in advance. It was the father of perversion, or, or she was the mother of perversion. Lamech, on Seth's side, produces only one child of note. So Noah is God's version of Jabal, Tubal, Tubal and Namer. Noah's four-in-one Noah is heaven's answer to these four people who accelerate and in essence these four four children of Lamech are, are the first institution builders who am I talking to they they build institutions they they build systems And Noah is God's answer so whatever Noah builds Tony is heaven's answer to civilization commerce entertainment manufacturing and perversion now if you look at the world today and in every every season in history you can summarize the state of the world by those four things civilization and commerce Jubal entertainment, music, poetry, whatever, right? Jabal. Manufacturing, commercial production to Balkane, and morality or lack thereof, Neymar. Lamech is the father of institutions on both sides of the fence. In Cain's side, the father of demonic institutions. On Seth's side, the father of God's institution. And while, in essence, if these were distant cousins, right, if these were distant cousins, these guys are building societal civilizations and Noah is off there building a funny boat with some wood. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the state of the world prior to 2020. There are Cainites. Cain's system exists in the church too. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. They're they're, they're descendants of Cain in the church among us. There are Cain ministries, Cain systems in the body of Christ. And while the Cain out there was building society, God took Noah and said, you build that ark because I'm bringing it all crashing down. In essence, I'm going to you're going to build your own society, your own civilization. It's not going to be, it's not going to be popular right now, but when the flood comes, nothing that is outside this civilization will have any value. And when the alarm clock dies, Methuselah, the same year, the flood comes, Cain's system is drowned, including the giant, the gigantist, the Nephilim. Different story for a different day. And Noah comes out the ark. Now let's move. Someone say, Let's move. So now we can leave Genesis 5. So, Genesis 6, we see the second divine rebellion. This is in the time of these four descendants of Lamech on Cain's side. There's great wickedness, there's evil. There is a, listen, I believe, I know that there was a physical copulation between spirit beings and women, but there's a deeper revelation here. It is that for evil to be birthed on the earth, there must be also a spiritual copulation between spiritual wickedness and human beings. There has always been a marriage between demonic spirits and willing human beings to produce the pain that God feels by the wickedness that propagates the earth and so of course we know about God talks about the flood and Noah had three sons and all that stuff and the ark was built and all that beautiful stuff and they entered the ark Noah did as God commanded him in essence Noah is the father of God's civilization so whatever is in that ark is God's civilization which is different from Tubal, Cain, uh, Jabal, Tubal and Neymar and the rest of them boys and girls and then we get to verse 7 God says to Noah, Come out of the ark. So come, so come thou and all thy house into the ark, sorry. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. So Genesis chapter seven is the story of how they entered the ark and how God shut the door of the ark and how the flood waters came and they swallowed up the ark and all that good stuff, and how everything that was on the land that was not in the ark died. And it says, God resets the system. Somebody say, reset. Genesis 8, God remembers Noah and every living thing and all the cattle with him and God made a wind to pass over the earth. And that says God begins a gradual process, not automatic, it's gradual of restoration and eventually the ark rests in the seventh month and after 40 days Noah opens the window of the ark which he made, someone said the window which he made, so Noah made the window, there is a place for human ingenuity in the dealings of God, I don't have time to deal with that but then eventually Noah removed the covering of the ark, the ground was dry and God told him, go forth. Someone say, go forth. And so they went forth. Verse 20, Noah builds an altar and offers a sacrifice. Someone say a sacrifice. Someone say priesthood. There's a system of priesthood and secures a covenant with the earth and God forever. But I don't have, I don't have time to deal with this cause I'm running and God institutes a system, sea time, harvest, cold heat, summer, winter, day and night shall not cease. In essence, Noah is resetting the parameters upon which the kingdom of God will work on the earth. Noah is living Genesis 1 all over again. So much so that in the next verse, God gives him the same instructions by and large he gave Adam. In essence, God is saying we're back in Genesis 1. Does that make sense, everybody? Do you understand that? But what's going on here is God is resetting the playing field he's saying let's start again there have been two divine rebellions one in the garden one when the the angels slept with the women God says bump all that let's start again with you Noah but there's a problem Noah hasn't done the best of jobs producing he would use two great sons and one black sheep. Number one, number two, Noah obviously has some trauma. Because if you look down the line in chapter nine, let's go to chapter nine. After God had done all that establishing of all that covenant, chapter nine, verse 20, and Noah began to be a husbandman, meaning he wasn't before, and planted a vineyard and drank of the wine and was drunk the guy God chose is dealing with trauma and is lured into something that will undo almost undo God's reset and Ham the father of Canaan saw the nakedness of his father and told his brethren without there's different understandings of what this means Uh, from scripture some people say it means that he literally slept with his well but I guess that would have been his mother because there were only six or only four women alive at that time the three sons wives and Noah's wife and I'm assuming Noah's wife at the time would probably have been the mother of the three boys we don't know she she could have this could have been a different woman maybe their mother died but for whatever reason the phrase uncovered father's nakedness like uh, Jacob told Reuben can sometimes in scripture be used to mean a man sleeping with a woman that is supposed to be his father's woman, wife or concubine so there's some argument that that's what Ham did in essence Noah was drunk and while Noah was drunk Ham snuck into Noah's wife's tent whether or not that was his mother that or it could simply just be that he literally saw his father's nakedness whichever it was, Shem and Japheth remedied the situation. So either their father or the woman who was their father's woman, they covered. In essence, they said either we're not looking on dad's physical nakedness or we're not going to look at dad's wife or woman with sexual, again, the Bible is not clear. It could, if this is true, It could have been their mom, but there's no, nothing tells us here that this woman who was Noah's wife was the same wife who gave birth to the three boys. Anyway, whatever they did, whatever the situation was, they took the exact opposite of Ham's approach. Noah woke up from his wine and he knew what his younger son had done. And Noah utters the first curse on the other other side of the flood. Noah finalizes Satan's agenda. And now here we are again. The king, in essence, Genesis 7, 8, and, 7 and 8, and the first part of 9 reestablished Eden. And Ham's treachery and Noah's response. Actually, I take that back. You could argue all Noah was doing was what God did in Eden. When Adam and Eve fell, God pronounced the curse. So you could actually argue that Noah was just basically doing. However, if he hadn't made the wine and got drunk. The point I'm making here is somewhere along the line, the Cain system was reintroduced through Ham. And then Noah dies. The last recorded act of Noah is to pronounce judgment on Ham, and he dies. Chapter 10, we then see the generations of the sons of Noah. And it talks about their genealogies after the flood. And if you look in Genesis 10, you will count 70 nations. 70. Hidden in there is verse 9. Verse 8. Cush, one of the sons of Noah, of, of Ham, begot Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. Verse 9 says he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. The word before literally means in defiance of. He was a mighty hunter against or in defiance of God. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. He also had Erech, Akkad, and Kalina. But his beginning was babel and then we keep going so we see here that we are back in genesis chapter three and four there is now another race after the flood and once again tony who's winning the race children of darkness they wasted the reset the whole lot was of one language and one speech it came to pass now some say the whole earth this now literally took up the whole Earth. By the time the spirit of Cain was done, it had completely consumed almost the entire planet. They went to the plain of Shena, where again, from the east, they dwelt there, and they said, "Let's build a city and a tower, and may reach unto heaven and make a name for ourselves." Lest we be scattered above the face of the earth. The Lord came and saw, and he said, If we allow them, if they stay united, they'll get this done. Let's go down and change their language, let's cause confusion, so they can stop. And so God did that. Remember, He can't, God can't send another flood because of Noah's covenant. So this is the best he could do. And immediately he does this, what's the next thing we see? Verse 10. God traces the line of Shem down to Abraham and says, Abes, it's all on you now. If this game is going to be salvaged, there's going to be another race. Literal pun intended, there's going to be a race of races and I'm not talking about white or black, I'm talking about spiritual genealogy. And now you understand what God means when he calls Abraham and says, Let's go. And Abraham says, the Bible says Abraham is looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. He understands the assignment. In essence, Abraham's job. So the only two again, notice we see this here. That in in Genesis five, we see two genealogies. At Enoch, something begins to happen. And at Lamech, something begins to happen. In essence, whatever Lamech produces on one side is the equivalent on the other side. So here, Abraham is to Nimrod, what what Noah was to Tubal, Cain, Jubal, Jabal, and Neymar. God stops talking about the, the perverted system long enough to explain who Nimrod is. And we later see him start to build, Baba was the beginning of his kingdom. In essence, Nimrod was the guy responsible for what God had to interrupt. We see him stop the line of Shem to talk about Abraham, meaning Abraham's job is designed to be Nimrod's job for the devil. What Nimrod was doing at Babel, are you guys with me somebody? What Nimrod was doing at Babel is the understanding we must have of what Abraham was called to do. That's why the Bible says he was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God but his was going to be spiritual. You could argue Nimrod was spiritual because a place where, I've told you before, you can not build for eternity, you wouldn't get to heaven, quote unquote. Shinar, if you understand Hebrew culture, the land of Shinar, the plain, was a place of well-known spiritual significance. There was a breach in the dimensions. In essence, they were not building just in terms of size. They were just going to build something that would be a portal of access. They were going to create their own Eden, their demonic Eden, and that was the third divine rebellion. Because the Book of Deuteronomy tells us it was incited by members of a di- members of a divine council, the, the the gods of the nations, the Elohim's. In essence, these beings, in defiance of God, were trying to asset they weren't just they weren't just content now to work with one man they wanted to work with the the whole world quickly and god says okay you go first i'll take my guy and i'll build my civilization slowly god has never been concerned with speed because he knows that once you hit an enoch acceleration happens and so when god tells abraham walk before me and be perfect he's saying abraham i can't let you produce until you become initiated Abraham jumped the gun and produced Ishmael and we still see the results today but God was saying Abraham there's no there's no race here if I can create an Enoch in you we can we we can catch up and so when God then says can I hide this thing from Abraham seeing as he is a great and mighty nation and he will train up his household after him that I may bring on him what I've spoken we see the message God is saying the the the, this this other kingdom is an expert on engineering individuals that carry its DNA where is the church's the kingdom of God's expertise in this area and of course we know if you're Christ you're Abraham's what seed And a hair, someone say a hair, according to a promise. In essence, our assignment and our covenant is to carry on what God began through Abraham. Who am I talking to? So ladies and gentlemen, what does that have to do? So that's the prophetic perspective. I have 30 minutes to give the prophetic update. Are you ready? Okay. So it was from this broadcast pulpit that I explained. I explained months ago that we were entering a season where demonic avatars were going to begin to rise, right? And that God was recruiting his own avatars. Remember? Because there has been a reset. It's called COVID told you that COVID was nothing, not so much about, it is why I thought it was very stupid at the start when churches were talking about how this is a, it's a hoax and the virus, nah, if you were prophetic, you knew what God was doing. That was the flood. No, I'm saying God utilized a demonic agenda to allow a reset. While stuff was going on on the earth, there was something happening in the spirit. And it was this year, this Hebrew year, starting from September last year, that the Lord said to me, now come out the ark. In essence, something happened at the atonement last year in the realm of the spirit. And there's now a race. And as usual, the enemy seems to be winning the race because it has the it has the advantage of consecration and initiation into its, into their own demonic DNA. And there is a Babel that is being built, including in the church. Help me Holy Spirit. Somebody pray for me. Let's say 30 seconds where we are, just pray for me, about physical and spiritual strength. There is a barbell being built in our world today and it is not what many of you think. I've told you several times, as far as I'm concerned, CNN and Fox News are two wings of the same bird. Republican and Democrat, right and left. To evil, they just split the Bible into two and build a humanistic agenda that glorifies or attacks in both cases half of the Bible and allow the church play the fool in fighting amongst ourselves while at the higher echelons the operation moves smoothly. There's a bigger fight There's a bigger fight, ladies and gentlemen. And one of the, Tony, one of the manifestations of this fight with the Lord began to speak to me about this last few weeks is the fact that there are crucial elections happening in several nations of the earth over the next six to 12 months, not just in America. And by crucial, I don't just mean president. I mean, at all levels of civil governance. For instance, the nation of Nigeria, our next presidential election, could make or break the future of the country. And I'm excited to see the church wake up belatedly. The problem is, Tony, the church woke up and was asked to elect, or has been asked to elect from a pre-selected pool. Now, I find it very interesting when the average Nigerian Christian is complaining about the shenanigans that happened in the recent party primaries. Because I'm wondering where have you been my whole life? Hello. I'm old enough. See, so the last I'm or not have remembered. The <sighs> help me, Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me, help me, help me, help me. Give me wisdom. Give me i'm all not to remember 1993 tony when the first if i'm not mistaken i may be wrong but i think 1993 is the first time in my life i may be wrong now but it's the first election i am aware about that happened in my lifetime or in my conscious lifetime the first time when i could put on the news or read a newspaper or hear people talk about an election and nothing happened this year that hasn't and then i can remember the year 2000 when we had the first successful election in my lifetime on my conscious lifetime when general Alusha gombasinger became the president of nigeria and i remember i'm old enough to remember uh (laughs) when president yardua was elected with good luck jonathan as his what you may call it now? He's um vice president, and of course, who can forget uh, the election that happened now seven years ago that pitted Goodluck Jonathan against General Muhammadu Buhari, and then the second term election that pitted Buhari against um, Abubakar Tiku, and I'm waiting for someone to show me a time when the primaries were any different than they are right now. So, how come when we finally wake up like Seth's line and start producing Enoch's, we complain that a system that we allowed be built? While we were complete, so we were so focused, especially when we elected our, our current president on how our lives could be better on our, our financial benefit. We were so that the average Nigerian Christian has spent a lifetime looking for convenience and personal aggrandizement and fighting for his rights that he suddenly now realizes that there is a system designed to be predisposed to give the levers of power to people that don't have his interest at heart. I, I'm saying, I'm, I'm excited that we finally woken up, but I, I don't understand the frustration, Tony. I, I, I don't, it, it's, it's intellectually dishonest to me to see preachers come on the pulpit and shout, oh, we must get our PVC now. Where were you? Where was I? Where were we for the last four decades that I've been around for? When this system was being built, when Babel was being constructed. I, I just I, I'm just waiting to, to know. Someone say but there's hope. First of all, the Lord said to me, look at the nation of Malawi. Tony, there is a man who, with the help of other men and women, with the backing of the prayer from the church, si- fought a system. Ah, help me, somebody. Help me. fought a system, so I want to say a system, and over successive, and by the way, I'm talking about President uh, President Lazarus. It's interesting, the name, <laughs> the name itself is a prophetic message. President Lazarus, I believe it's Chaquira, if I'm not mistaken. As an example of how With wisdom and prayer, a system can can successfully be fought that brings the righteousness of God to the center of the public square and the levers of power. Help me, Holy Spirit, help me, help me, help me. I repeat, the Lord said to me, look to Malawi. Someone say Malawi. It's interesting that the nation of nigeria is the most populous african nation in the world but the lord would have us look to one of the tiniest nations on the continent and so the question becomes like the bible asks what has abraham our father found is what did Malawi find someone say number one number two and this is a prophetic warning that the body of Christ on the continent of Africa must pray someone say pray for the nation of Malawi. Yes. Because Malawi is not just a country with a burgeoning democracy. It is a battlefield in the spirit for opposing spiritual forces Contending to direct the destiny of Africa, and I'm trying to be careful here, but I think I can. I think there is nothing unwise in just coming out straight. Please pray for the personal safety of President Lazarus Chakwera. Pray for his health and his safety from entities and forces that would seek to take him out because he's not just help me holy spirit there is a line drawn in the sand in the spirit and his emergence is in itself a bone of contention let me leave it that way secondly pray for his purity pray for his integrity that it is not compromised along this journey because there is far more riding on him than just one of the smallest nations in africa And so when I began to see my Nigerian brethren all up in arms about a primary selection process, I went to God and I said, Lord, you and I both know this is comical because what did we expect? A system was built under our noses and now that we finally have the wisdom to engage correctly, we complain that the system has been rigged to exclude our engagement and the Lord said to me son pray and agitate for a reset there is about to be the hand of God intervene in the political structure of several nations around the world I don't know what form it will take that has not been i have not been given to see that clearly yet i'm still pressing but something on the order i'm not i'm not saying there will be a revolution like the french revolution i'm not saying there will be bloodshed and war i'm saying the effect of what is about to come down the pipe will have similar consequences in terms of the change of political, and cultural structures as many of the European revolutions of previous centuries. And God is saying, I have heard the cry of my people. I have heard the call for intervention. And I will, says the Lord, listen, listen to me. I will restore the years that the locust. The cankerworm and the caterpillar stole. Like Isaiah did, I will reverse the sun. Not the physical calendar, but I will reverse the spiritual calendar to bring Nigeria and other nations of the earth back into a season where what needed to have been done could have been done. He then says, having done that, I will have done my part, and the ball will be in your court. So there is a message from heaven to every kingdom architect alive. Pastors, bishops, shepherds, but also Christian politicians, Christian marketplace operatives, career people, business owners, educators, policy makers, law writers. And the Lord is saying, I am about to send another flood. There is about, I am about to scatter another Babel. I will introduce, says the Lord, a divine interruption. On the highway of the kingdom of darkness's plans to rebalance the scales of time but i will only do it says the lord when i see a church and a kingdom ready to produce not add numbers via evangelism evangelism and even invitations and even leading people to christ the assignment of the body of Christ in every nation of the earth in this season especially hear me the nation of Nigeria particularly is to become what Noah was as an answer to Cain, Jabal, to, to, Jabal, Jubal, Tubal, Cain and Neymar which is to build an ecosystem a civilization from which the whole earth can be replenished God gave Noah 120 years to design a structure the ark ark of the covenant his presence his principles inside the ark of the covenant where the law the, the, the law of Moses the rod of Aaron that buds and a pot of manna divine provision divine instruction and divine supernatural power and after the reset God says come forth and quickly repopulate the earth The West has had its reset. For those of us who are believers in the United Kingdom, the US and the rest of it, like Noah after the ark, we're already behind the ball. We have some catching up to do, but specifically the nation of the, the continent of Africa. Listen, listen, listen. The hand of God is about to be displayed in strange ways to interrupt. Somebody say interrupt. The Tower of Babel that is being built. There is about to be a scattering of the voices of the conspirators. But the Lord says, All it will buy us is time. All it will buy us is time. Because God is calling us to repent from the doctrine of addition and church growth and even quote-unquote evangelism to the assignment because the race now on the other side of the seed of the woman after he brows the devil's head on Calvary. The agenda is now to bruise his head in reality. In simple English, and I'm trying to pick my words carefully. The words of the Nigerian national anthem. Go this way. Arise o compatriots.
0: Lord help me, 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 help me.
2: Arise, O compatriots, I'll go there. Nigeria's call, obey. To serve our fatherland with love, strength, and faith. Listen, the labors of our heroes past, the Lord is saying these are not just the political heroes, the Azikiways, the Aulawas, but there are heroes of the system. Of the house of Seth, the past Sydney Eltons, the Apostle Ayubaba Lolas, the labors of our heroes past shall never be in vain. To serve with heart and mind, one nation bound with freedom, peace and unity. And the Lord is saying that on the continent of Africa, It is the time for nation builders to emerge. The spiritual patriarch of this generation of the African church will not be the overseer that gathers a massive crowd at a convention. It will be the engineer and the architect who can engineer the mind and culture of God for an entire nation into a massive crowd of people who may never gather at his tiny venue. And the sudden preoccupation Okay. Thank you. The sudden preoccupation of a national consciousness with how the political system works. The Bible says it is the Lord. It is. It says it is God who's at work within us to will. Sorry, I'm, I'm talking with an invisible entity on this side of the room. In case you're wondering, Tony. So I'm not crazy. We're having a conversation. Um, it is the Lord who's. <laughs> It's lord who's at work within us to will and do of his good pleasure and when there becomes a wide-ranging almost national consequence one of two things is happening either there is a spirit of delusion and witchcraftness of the enemy is engineering a corporate consciousness of something or the lord is engineering that corporate consciousness and the lord said to me or Lord, well, saying right now to say that that national consciousness emerging on the Nigerian nation where everybody finally is now talking about not just getting a pvc to vote in an election but there is now what many of us have been screaming about for years a national understanding that the very government the very systems that built what we hope to use to vote something out are itself corrupted and need rebuilding god is saying that the battle must start from this and that in this next season the pulpit or should i say the significant public element of the pulpit is not to be used to quote unquote build a church I'm, I'm, help me, Lord. I, I'm, I'm trying not to say some things because I don't want to be taken out of context. But you will notice over the next few months that here at Kingdom Culture, that some of our pulpit expressions take a completely different direction. And if you are not careful, you will ask, "Are they backsliding, or are they quote and unquote watering stuff down?" Because the Lord is. Let, let me go. Let, let me put it this way the days of stick to preaching about the cross are quote and unquote over because god is now asking us to preach and teach about how the cross affects and engineers the levers of everyday life why because we started in genesis 1 with this there was no fall of man or there was no need sorry for a cross when the journey began in Genesis 1. The agenda of God in Genesis 1, we tracked all the way down to Genesis 11, was always that the government of heaven could rest in the world in normal everyday life. Which is why in Genesis 12, after God finds Abraham as his answer to Nimrod, which is to build a city and a tower, the spiritual and the societal when God finds Abraham, He says, "Come out of your father's house, come out of the expression and the culture you've grown up around your whole life. God will land I'll lead you to there. I'll make of you a great nation, and in you will all the nations of the earth be blessed. Nigeria, that's your assignment in this season. Come out from the Nigeria of today. Be separate." for from you i want to make a nation that in that nation will all the nations of the earth be blessed the desire of god is to engineer starting with the pulpit in the nation of nigeria a template for nation building where what we preach about as revival becomes everyday life that's what i mean by the focus is no longer to get you slain in the spirit but is to engineer men and women who can build God's government into everyday life and that means the focus and the flavor from the pulpit may have to change and if you're not discerning you may think some people are quote unquote backsliding for engineering kingdom culture we have an assignment in this season tony to train and disciple men and women can rule the world and bring God's government not just in a prayer meeting but use the prayer meeting as a launch pad to establish in the everyday reality what is being prayed about finally before I leave it here tonight because I'm I'm getting very very conflicting instructions as to what I'm supposed to say and not say or I'm allowed to say and not say This next election is critical. In the words of one of my fathers in the faith, if there is an election, and I I second that sentiment. Because something is about to happen that will shake the fab between now and the election. Something's about to happen on the scale of the flood and the scattering of Babel in the nation of Nigeria. That could very well upend the entire system and process that is supposed to be leading on to this election and the hand of the Lord will be in it it may not be obvious in its early stages but the hand of the Lord will be in it because God will be working the same way he worked with the flood and with the Tower of Babel scattering to open a window where our country can revert to a season where it had a chance to do something that it should have done i will tony i think i'm going to if i go much further i'm going to get in trouble so let's pray No, look at anybody saying Noah's been recruited, Abraham's been recruited, David's been recruited, Nehemiah's been recruited, Ezra's been recruited. There is a window. I'll say this. Something is going to happen over the next 12 months. Between now and that election. Which if the church engages with correctly, will reset the balance and the calendar of God for the nation of Nigeria. And I will end there before I get in trouble. Let's pray. Lift up your hands, everybody. Father, thank you for your word. Both the word from scripture. And the word of the Lord but I pray for myself as for every other apostolic and prophetic leader in our generation especially those with ties to the nations or the continent of Africa that the spirit of the sons of Issachar would be upon us that we would stop playing games And embrace an open window of opportunity that is about to present itself. Give us the wisdom and the power to build a nation in a day. Give us the resource and the favor to build a nation in a day. Give us the authority, significance, and the stature to build a nation in a day. Let the line of Seth catch up and overtake the line of Cain in our day. Yet one more time the Lord says I will shake the heavens and the earth and we will say when he is done that the things that can be shaken have been shaken that the things that cannot be shaken may remain and we therefore having received a kingdom lord we in this season concerning the nations of the earth and especially of the continent of Africa receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken whereby we may serve you with reverence and godly fear activate a generation of avatars and lord let's be found worthy let's not be found disqualified i pray for myself and everyone connected to this house everyone connected to the kingdom of god around the world every recruitment process every preparation process lord accelerate dispatch divine tutors there is about to be i can say this thank you there is about to be i've received the permission for this there's about to be a proliferation of angelic and supernatural encounters because some of us are about to be tutored by men who who are dead and beings who never were born hear me i'm not talking about necromancy hear me by the spirit i'm talking about bible saints and men of glory who walked in the previous generation are about to be we're about to have a, a proliferation of angelic encounters and visitations and visitations in dreams and visions with saints of old tutors are being released in this season because there are dimensions of the dealings of God that were not successfully passed down the generations because the line of Seth didn't understand the need to produce and God says some of those mantles and some of those graces and some of those essences will be will be transferred directly in the place of prophetic encounters. There will be weights of authority that have not been seen for generations where men and women will subvert kingdoms like Hebrews 11 says. Yea, even in the nation of Nigeria, is rising a small number of men not so many not the ones you think for there will be an exposure of the wolves in sheep clothing says the lord there will be a public disgrace yea, even an embarrassment of those who many would think would hold the baton into this new season so that the Davids God has been preparing at the backside of the wilderness may emerge. Some of those Davids are already in the limelight but many are still unseen. For these shall be men with authority who can speak and hold government hostage. These shall be men says the Lord and women once again of which it shall be spoken of like it was of John Knox by the Queen of England that she feared his prayers more than 10,000 soldiers for once again says the Lord will his house be called not just a house of prayer but a place of authority and a place Whose integrity is not questioned or for sale. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I began to see bullion vans released in the spirit realm. And the question is what does this mean? And the answer says the lord is i am financing says the lord organizations and individuals uncommonly for this task for there is a wealth and economic transfer going on now in the nations of the earth and especially in the body of christ to present significant resources in the hands of those who will give themselves to this agenda. If you're a pastor, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a career person, go and ask the question, where do I fit in this nation building agenda? And as you begin to give yourself to it, there will be uncommon streams of income released to those who heaven has already worked in a level of alignment that means you understand what the blessing of the Lord that is about to hit your hands is designed to accomplish and it is not to buy a Birkin bag or a brand new Maserati. Mm. Let me stop here. But watch, says the Lord, one of the signs will be the collapse of a synagogue of Satan that calls itself the Church of the Lord. And I'm not talking about TB Joshua. I repeat, and this is the last thing I will say today. I've been granted special dispensation, but I want to end here. There is about to be the collapse, says the Lord, of a synagogue of Satan has branded itself as a house of the Lord when you see that happen know are the things of which I spoke tonight are here at hand thus saith the spirit of the sovereign Lord Father we thank you for tonight we give you glory come Lord Jesus come come in the sense of the eternal rapture but also come in the sense of the visitation of the systems and the nations of the earth in this season. The spirit and the bride say, come. Somebody put your hands together for the Lord. Quick announcement. This um, this Sunday is the General Assembly. It is holding in the city of Nottingham. Um, the flyer will be on your screen. Well, not on your screen. The flyer will be sent out shortly. We've had to have a... Uh, some we had some issues with our normal venue there was a a natural disaster that happened there that means we can't use where we normally do and so we've been looking around looking for somewhere else you get the flyer where we've we've secured a place you'll find the details very soon in the ways and means in which we communicate Uh, also this saturday uh i am part of a uh, of a network of churches and ministries under the oversight of my spiritual father bishop Judah bismarck it's called jabula international uh i have the privilege to serve as its continental, uh, super, uh, continental, chief operating officer for the continent of Europe and Asia, uh, and it's something I am extremely proud about. Not proud about my responsibility. I'm proud about my home. It's a place that I love with all my heart. And uh, there is a regional, major, and a ministry empowerment gathering. We call them MEGs, M-E-G, ministry empowerment gatherings. is opening, holding, speak Israel this Saturday Uh, and we actually are going to be hosting it here at Kingdom Culture. So we'll be broadcasting it on some of our platforms. But in addition, uh, if you would like to be a part of it physically in the broadcast studio in the embassy building, send us an email to contact at kculture.org. Christy, if you put that on the screen for me quickly, uh, so we know to expect you It's starting this Saturday at 11 a.m. and it's going to run for the whole day. There'll be teaching, there'll be prophetic ministry, uh, there'll be fellowship and there will be plenty of food. I have seen the budget, trust me. The food alone is worth the admission. Uh, And it's free, by the way. Pardon? Say that again, Tony. You'll be here for the food. Okay, good to know. Uh, And it's free, by the way. Also, we'll be sending out the information uh, through the normal channels. We do so. Uh, Finally, if you want to... Uh, remember if you want to be a part of the financial uh, support we're offering to our sister uh, Mayan who is uh, about to go through a series of uh, medical interventions including surgery to finalize what the Lord has done Uh, the details will be on your screen as with any other gift you want to give all our usual uh, 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 all our usual initiatives are still live our orphanage uh, in Kenya, by the way, I'm aware that the Kenya orphanage is asking for uh, an emergency injection of funding. Uh, Chris, let them see my face. An emergency injection of, uh, injection of funding. The roof in the boys' hostel, we are told, was damaged by uh, recent storms. And so we need a new roof. Uh, and we're trying to raise a significant amount of money towards that. So please, if you give to that, call it Kenyan orphanage. As well, if you want to give to the medical expenses of our sister, called that as well uh, our pastor support fund is still live and so if you want to be a part an ongoing part of supporting several churches and ministries and ministers around the world please do so as well uh, i will see you everybody at uh, the next major time i want you to put in your diary uh, is first of all this friday at 11 p.m as we come to the press and then on saturday for the jabula meg meeting and of course sunday at the general assembly Love you. Take care. See you. Bye bye.